A reading from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 42. Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people upon it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations, to open up the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor praise my eyes. See, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise from the end of the earth. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Creator, from our Savior, Jesus Christ, and from the Holy Spirit, the one who is present right here in our midst and wherever you are, if you're watching from live stream or from the video later. So several years ago, we were uh, paddling down Minnehaha Creek in a canoe, and my nephew made the strangest comment. He was looking sort of lovingly at a couple that was walking on the path alongside the creek, and he said, they are so lucky. It was strange because there was nothing particularly interesting about those people. I'm sure there was, but from our vantage point, we, there was nothing that interesting that a four-year-old would think these people were lucky. So we asked him, why? Why do you think those people are so lucky? And he said, because they're on the ground. <laughs> it was a bit of a gut punch to his family for whom canoeing is sort of a central activity. But the creek was moving that day, and any little tip or wobble of the canoe had him sort of gripping the gunwale and bracing for a spill. We didn't spill that day, we didn't even come close, but we didn't convert a new enthusiasm for the next outing for this little guy either. Just to let you know, now 10 years later, he loves canoeing, he loves it, so it's all good. But perhaps you know that feeling when the foundation is a bit wobbly. I mean, if you've been in a canoe, you know it. You can't be in a canoe and not know sort of a wobbly feeling. If all you've ever done is walk on the ground on two feet, like this four-year-old had at that time, then a tippy boat makes some, uh, is sometimes hard to fully embrace. I've been thinking about this as kind of a good metaphor for the whole of human life, and particularly these times of change that we experience. Perhaps you too have experienced a time where you start to feel things tip toward the unknown, and you look longingly at someone else whose walk seems to be on surer footing. Now, it's obvious when this happens to us during difficult times, isn't it? Changes that we didn't ask for. Times of loss or grief or depression or disappointment. We feel that foundation shift um, of the life we always knew. Um, maybe the things tip or crumble and we start to ask these big questions about the boat we found ourselves in. 
We can make pretty quick assumptions in those times about another person's path, right? That, that they seemingly have things simple and solid and not shaky at all. I mean, these wobbly moments can happen during good times, too. I think this is really true during uh, maybe a graduation or a new career move or a retirement or a new relationship or a new venture. I mean, they all come with a shift in how things have always been and how our expectations for how they will go will be. I mean, you've heard that phrase, be careful what you wish for, right? Because even when it's the good thing we wished for, sometimes it's this new and shaky ground for us. And so with any change, difficult or joyous, we begin to assess the ground or the water beneath us and wonder what on earth we're doing. So we might ask some big questions in those moments. What's happening? Does anyone understand what I'm going through? What's my next move going to be? Will it ever get better or even out? And the big one, where is God in all of this? Now, in this piece of Isaiah 42 that you have heard today, the Israelites are finding themselves in a tippy canoe. And this is where the metaphor breaks down a little bit, because it's actually much more than a tippy canoe. It's a world upended. It's the canoe that has spilled over and everything you loved has gone downstream. To understand this, let me just give you the briefest history of God's people in the Old Testament up to this point in Isaiah. And you may remember much of this story, that God delivered the people from bondage in Egypt, made a covenant with them, brought them through the wilderness into the land of Canaan. Does this sound familiar? They became a nation. They built a temple to the Lord, a glorious place where they could worship. And for centuries, they saw military victories and defeats under kings and judges and generals. When they strayed from God's covenant, as human people always do, the prophets called them back again. And then in the 6th century, uh, before the common era, the unthinkable happened. These Babylonians came and they defeated this chosen people, Israel. They destroyed the temple, they plundered Israel's treasure and livelihoods, they took them into bondage and marched them out of Israel and to the gates of Babylon in chains. Now, when these people came to sort of the realization or maybe the acceptance of this new reality, they were certainly full of questions. What just happened? Does anyone understand what I'm going through? What's my next move? Will it get better? And the big one, where is God in all of this? See, humanity hasn't changed, right? This is who we are as people. When we go through these times of foundation-shaking moments, we lean into these big questions. And so into these questions, those of the exiled Israelites and those that we might ask in our foundation-shaking times today, the prophet speaks of God's sure and certain place in their lives. Thus says the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth 
and all that comes from it, who gives breath to the people upon it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand, and I have kept you. Do you hear the power of that in a time of a shaky moment? The God of the universe, the God of all creation, who created all that is and that ever will be, the God who put life and breath into our human bodies, the one who gives you strength and spirit to walk upon this earth each and every day, that God has called you. That God has called you, taken you by the hand, and promised to keep you close. Now, this is not to say that God has orchestrated or planned for all that has happened for these people to be in exile or for the losses or disappointments that you have experienced in your life. They are not by God's design. But this is to say that in this present moment, in the ones that will come after it, and in those moments that will come, in the good and the bad, or the right or the wrong, God's promise is to continue to call you, take you by the hand, and keep you close. To call you, take you by the hand, and keep you close. Now this is certainly good news for us as individuals, and it is also a word of hope for our community of faith gathered here. I mean, we are embarking on one of these tippy moments. We are embarking on a new path. I mean, and if we're really honest, some in this community feel like this um, is a time of exile. This is not where we wanted to go. And others feel like, wow, this is a bold new venture. I mean, some of you are really excited and others are kind of walking with hesitation or trepidation even. Maybe there are some among you who are both excited and worried about all that is to come. And that's where I find myself on most days as we step into this new chapter. Because things will change. We are certainly going to feel wobbly from time to time. After this last year of pandemic, we maybe know kind of how to adjust ourselves when the wobbly comes. We will feel that as we move along, as we look toward plans for renovation and welcoming new partners to share this ministry with us. And so into that, into that kind of wobbly, we lean on these words and the promise from Isaiah, where God says, I have called you into this new thing. I have taken you by the hand. Here we go together. And I have kept you that God remains close to us in the midst of this. Not only that, but Isaiah also reminds us that God has called us to be a light to the nations, to be hope for those who long for healing and freedom, to uh, have the wisdom to know what is in the past, and to trust God's new vision for a new path forward. I, I want to I share this with you um, 
you may want to look at it later, but Sue Bergley shared with me this um, bulletin, and I think maybe it came through Kat as well, from the dedication of this sanctuary space, May 12, 1963. There's a lot of really interesting information in here, including that this building was built for $577,000, which today seems like, wow. <laughs> On the day that this sanctuary was dedicated to the glory of God, the then council president, Kermit O. Norquist, wrote this. We are thankful that our Lord has made this facility possible. There have been many dreams, plans, heartaches, and prayers which have been a part of this achievement and are now fulfilled by the completion of this beautiful new church. Dreams, plans, heartaches, and prayers. Even as this community of believers stepped foot into a beautiful new sanctuary, which was a new venture, they acknowledged the dreams, the plans, the heartaches, and the prayers that were a part of it. But even in the acknowledgement of those highs and lows of a new endeavor, the central message to the people was that this faith community believed that this new venture was a part of their mission and purpose to give glory to God. In his remarks in, in the bulletin here, Norquist goes on to write this. He says, yes, this is a day to rejoice. Isn't it also a day to rededicate our own lives to serve our Lord more sincerely? Isn't it also a day to rededicate our own lives to serve God more sincerely? I mean, as we gather here to give thanks for this space, for the vision of, of Kermit Norquist and his contemporaries who envisioned a space here in this community for our faith to grow and develop, we also now rededicate the space to a new adventure, we rededicate our own hearts to grow in faith, to trust God more deeply, to serve the needs of our neighbor more fully. I was uh, watching Raya and the Last Dragon. This is a new movie that's on Disney now. Did you see it? So it's brand new. And in that movie, there's one part where they're kind of about to battle. And, they t and she says, you know what? The world is a broken place, and nobody trusts each other. And the person speaking back said, maybe the world is a broken place because we don't trust each other. And I thought that was an important thought for us today as we move forward. We might be broken in our understanding of all the agreements that are being made or all the ways in which we will enter into new relationships. But as we call of ourselves to trust God and to trust each other, we will not be broken. God will move forward with us. Now, I just want to say one more thing about the sanctuary space. Uh, last week, Glenn Wheeler turned me on to this article uh, from Christian Century Magazine called, What is a Beautiful Church Building For? And I wondered if Glenn, or the... Kermit and his friends and uh, the writer of this Christian century were kind of all thinking along the same lines. They're pointing us toward using our lives and our resources to give glory to God. 
That article says this, connecting back to Isaiah. During the Babylonian exile, there was always an urge to return to Jerusalem, to worship again in the comfort of the temple. But the prophets began to shift the focus from the temple itself to the purpose of the temple in God's work of making the people holy. They taught that God does not exist for the sacred spaces. Sacred spaces exist to open us to an encounter with God and teach us to live with God in ways that sustain our faith beyond their walls. The beauty of the place is absorbed by the people and reflected in the people. We gather here to absorb the worship of our God and to go out and reflect it in our world. And so as we step forward in faith, our wobbly feet are given a solid foundation in the faithfulness of the God we worship. And so may this space be for this community a reminder for decades to come that God has called us, taken us by the hand, and kept us close. And as you come to realize that, may this not just be our history, but our hope. And may you give glory to God, saying, thanks be to God. Amen.